So last week we started a, a, a four-week journey in this concept and this thought of worship. And so we dove into the story of Martha and Mary, where Martha invites Jesus into her home, and he welcomes him in, and, and Eugene Peterson writes it that, that he, Jesus, felt at home there with Martha. Because she had made all the preparations, she had done the, all the things that needed to be done in order to be hospitable, in order for him to feel at home. And so Martha welcomes Jesus in, but at some point, Martha's attention, all her focus was in on those things that had to be done. And as Mary sat at Jesus' feet, listening, becoming a disciple of Jesus, Martha calls Jesus Lord, but what was really Lord in her life was not Jesus in that moment. What was really Lord in her life was all the things that had to be done. She started focusing in on the what and the when and the how versus the who. And so last week we, we thought in our worship how there are things that we desire to do when we come together. We want to participate in communion and singing praises. We want to participate in prayer. We want to dive into God's word. But we can kind of get focused in on that and forget the real reason, which is the who. I, I enjoy going on trips. Uh, I can remember growing up, it is really windy, isn't it? Y'all are all, all enjoying that wind because it's making it nice and cool. Uh, but I, I remember growing up, I, going on trips, and particularly when I was in high school, uh, I got to go on wilderness trek. And we'd go up to Colorado and hike these 14,000 foot mountains. Canel has, has done this many a times. And the day, days leading up to it, I would be just extremely excited. I would get all my stuff together that I was supposed to have to, to go on this trip, and, and I would kind of make sure I had the right amount of clothes. At that time in my life, I was a little OCD on, on my shirts being ironed, and I thought it was important that your shirt be ironed when you're hiking in the wilderness. So I would iron them, and then I would try to roll them in such a way they wouldn't wrinkle to put them in my stuff sack, and I'd let them sit there for a day, and then I would take them out to see if they were still, they would wrinkle, uh, and they would, so I would re-iron them and try it all over again. It was a really weird time in my life. Uh, but it, I would get so excited leading up to this. There would be things that I would, I would prepare, things I would do. Not too long ago, Christy and I got to go to Asheville, uh, and, and when we were headed there, the greatest thing about this trip was that some of you helped take care of it, but not just take care of it, you also planned some of the places that we would go and eat, which was really great because when I go out of town, when I leave Paris, I'm always thinking, what can I eat that I can't get in Paris? Cracker Barrel's number one on my list. Uh, but when we got to Asheville, there was a list of restaurants for us to try out. And so before I go on trips, I like to think of where are we eating? What are we doing? I like to prepare leading up to that trip. I get excited about it. 
On Wednesday nights, we're watching The Chosen. Uh, it, it's this, this series that's done, this artistic take on the Gospels from the disciples' perspective. And this last week, they were preparing. They were preparing for Shabbat. They had six days to get ready for the seventh day rest. They had six days to prepare to do all the things that they needed to do to lead up to that. And, and in this Jewish culture, they don't think of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They think of day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. All days that lead up, that prepare them for this one day, this day of rest and this day of fellowship, this meal. And what I found interesting in those, those meals that took place this last week in, in that series was how excited Mary was to sit at that table, to get to that point, to prepare for that moment of sitting with some friends, some loved ones. And so there's this, this concept of Shabbat. There's this concept that, that they, they prepare and they lead up to the seventh day rest. And there were some things that they needed to do. Let's go in Matthew chapter 12 this morning. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is going to deal with the Pharisees and have these interactions over the next few chapters. And right here in chapter 12 is centered around Sabbath. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful. Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Verse 3, he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he was, and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions uh, ate that consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read that the law of the priests on the Sabbath duty and the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words meant, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on... From that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Verse 11, he said to them, If, you, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out to the, and plotted that how they might kill Jesus. So here in the scripture, Jesus is dealing with these Pharisees in regards to the Sabbath. Jesus' disciples are walking through this grain field and they were hungry and they kind of scooped up the grain, plucking it from its stalk and then they would put it in their hands. Luke describes it a little bit more. And they would roll it and it would separate the outside from the inside and they could 
blow the outside shell off, and then eat the grain. And in, in this moment, the Pharisees see this, and they are not happy because they are not keeping with the Sabbath laws. There's, there's something going on in their mind wrong that, they are, that the disciples are doing. And so they interact with Jesus. They deal with Jesus on this. They call the disciples out, and Jesus talks to them about it. See, what's going on here is that the Pharisees had this desire to uphold the law, the law being to keep the Sabbath day holy and to not work on the Sabbath. And, and that was the commands in, in the Old Testament. But what does work look like? What is work? Well, then they began to describe it. And they created their own laws of what work was. And there's 39 categories that they came up with what work is. And these two things that they do fall into two of the 39 categories. They break two of the categories of what work is. And that is plucking and threshing. And so here, what's really going on is the disciples haven't broken God's law. The disciples have broken the Pharisees' law. But the Pharisees... They're just trying to uphold God's law. They had come so focused on holding on to that that they had lost something. They had, they had been so focused on those six days we're going to prepare so on the seventh day we don't work. They had been so focused on that preparation that they forgot what was really important to prepare. Just a little while later, in Matthew 15. Let's go to Matthew 15. Jesus again is dealing with these Pharisees. In verse 1, Matthew chapter 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not uh, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And so Jesus here is dealing with these Pharisees once again that there's just something not right about what they're doing. There's something off. There's something not going well. In 1985, sitting in kindergarten class at Pea Ridge Elementary in Pace, Florida, I came up with this very unique technique. I, I, it, it, was, it was so incredible that in 1989, it would be used by a guy named Fob and Rob. These two guys would, would use my technique that I came up with sitting in music class. And they would make money. And to this day, 
we would know them by Milli Vanilli. And that is the art of lip singing. I sat in class, I remember this distinctively. My music teacher was having us sing, and I knew my limitations, even then. And so as she had our class sing, I thought, what if, what if I just mouth the words? What if I used my lips to make it look and appear as if I was singing, but really I didn't use anything coming out of me. I just mouthed the words. And so Millie Vanilli would do the same and make a lot of money. And I'm pretty sure they stole that somehow from me as I sat in music class in 1985. But as I began to mouth those words, my music teacher somehow knew that I was not projecting my voice, that my lips were moving, but nothing was really coming out. And so she called me out right in front of everybody, and ever since then, I've tried to stay away from music class. These people honor me with their lips. Their lips are moving. They look like they're worshiping. They have this appearance as if they are praising God, but there's nothing that's coming out. Just a few chapters later in chapter 23, he, he's going to deal with these hypocrites again, these, these Pharisees, and he said, you're, you're being hypocritical. You're binding all these laws and all these rules on, on, on others that you yourselves aren't even willing to carry. It's, he says, don't you know that, that you, can, you can perform and, and look like you're doing the part. You can look like you're singing. But it's all a show that there's nothing really pouring out of you. Don't you know that when you, when you clean the outside of the cup and you leave the inside dirty, it is still a dirty cup? And so these Pharisees that Jesus is dealing with constantly... What's missing, what's going on in their life is that they have prepared for the Sabbath constantly. They have prepared the things that they are called, they feel they are called to do. But they have prepared all the logistics and they have not prepared their hearts. It is their hearts that God wants. So we can prepare. We're called to prepare. Moses, when he approaches that burning bush, he's got to do something before he's able to step there. He's got to take off his sandals and recognize that he is on holy ground. He's got to prepare. He calls the Israelites to prepare before they, they step out of Egypt. He, Joshua, in, in Joshua chapter 3, he says, everyone, Israelites, get ready. Prepare yourselves because tomorrow you're going to see great things. Get ready. Be prepared. And that next day, they crossed the Jordan. The priest, the high priest, when they went into the most holy of holies, they would prepare. They would go through a preparation process, consecrating themselves, washing themselves, getting ready to enter God's presence. See, there's preparation that needs to take place when we come together. And I think what it really looks like is we got to make sure that we have sound. 
right? We got to make sure that we have our, our security team ready. We got to make sure that we have our, our prayer team ready. We got to make sure that we know who the song leader is. And that song leader has to prepare and know what songs that we're singing that day. And, and because we're going to have songs, we got to prepare and make sure that we have them either on paper or up on the screen or know what number they are in the, in the song book. We've got to prepare that order of worship. We've got to make sure that the computer and there's somebody running the computer. And we've got to prepare that sound system and make sure that we have good sound. We've got to make sure that there's someone who's been prepared, who stands up and, and proclaims and teaches and shares something that they have been wrestling with. And there's a lot of preparation that goes in that. And we've got to make sure that we have somebody who has prepared and gotten ready to, to offer us a thought in our communion. And there's that preparation. There's a lot of, that takes place every Sunday. And I think the biggest preparation is the air conditioning, right? We gotta make sure that the building is good to go. On Fridays, it gets clean, and Saturday, it, it, it gets checked over again, and Sunday morning, it gets checked again. And the AC temperature is checked. We prepare all these things. And I can find myself in the midst of the Pharisees. I can find myself sitting in the presence of these religious leaders that Jesus is dealing with in Matthew chapter 12, in Matthew chapter 15, and Matthew chapter 23. I can find myself preparing for, for Sunday morning. On Mondays, I try to really clean up what I'm going to be preaching on that next Sunday. On Tuesday, I'm thinking about two weeks out. On Wednesday, I'm thinking about three weeks out. On Thursday, I'm reviewing again Sunday. On Friday, I'm reviewing yet again Sunday. Sometime on Saturday night, I read through it again. I check myself and I prepare. But I think in all that preparation when it comes to our worship, as I sit in the midst of the Pharisees, I prepare the wrong thing. See, I think God's calling us when we worship to prepare our hearts. Not to prepare all these logistics. Those things need to take place, but to not focus in on all those logistics. That, like last week, it's about God. But this week, it's within. That there's a preparation that needs to take place in our hearts. And, it's, and I've been in a situation where I've been able to show up and sit down but when we prepare to be with each other and we prepare to worship God, something amazing happens. That's one of the things I love about going to Winterfest as a youth minister. My first experience there, I didn't know what to expect, but my second year there was probably my best year. Because that year, I, I, I got all the preparations, got all who was going, got the hotel rooms ready. I got all that done. All those logistics were taken care of. But I knew, I knew that I was going to be in the presence of God. 
I knew that I was going to be connecting with him through song. I knew that there was going to be somebody up there who was going to be speaking something out of God's word to bring a truth into my life that I needed. And so the days leading up to it, while I was preparing all the logistics, I also prepared my heart. I also made sure that there was things ready for me to be able to consume God's word, for me to be able to, to worship God with my voice and not just with my lips, to allow it to come from within. And so for us, as we think of our worship together, how do you prepare? Pretty sure all of you thought about what clothes you were putting on today. But as you get your clothes ready, are you getting your heart ready? I don't know if you get, get your clothes out on, on Saturday night and get them ready, get them ironed. I did last night. It was the first time in a while. I usually iron on Sunday morning. But I got to go and see Top Gun with my father-in-law all the way over in Terrell at a 650 show. So I knew I was not going to get home till midnight. And then I thought, well, I better iron my clothes before I go. So I ironed my clothes on Friday. But as I was ironing them and I was thinking about today, I thought, have I prepared myself to be thinking that I am clothed with Christ? We silence our phone when we come in here. When, when you silence your phone, could you think, could I silence the other distractions that are going on in my life right now for this next hour? Those distractions of the to-do list that you have coming up tomorrow? Could I, could I silence the distractions of, of the worry and stresses of bills or, or my showers flooding? That's hypothetical. Could you silence the distraction of all the stresses in life that you got going on? Could you prepare your heart that way? When Jesus and Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount, it really stuck out to me. When he said, when you're going to offer your gift, and on the way you remember, you remember that somebody's got something against you? Man, go deal with that quickly. Could you prepare yourself for worship by thinking about what's going on in the relationships around you? Whether people are holding something against you, is, is there somebody that you need to go and offer forgive, for, uh, ask for forgiveness from? Could you prepare yourself for that? Are there people here that you see that you know there's tension that you need to deal with? Let's not be like the Pharisees. Let's not get caught up in all the logistics and honor God with our lips, but let's begin to honor him with our hearts. When Samuel is called by God to go to Jesse in Bethlehem, to, to, to pick out a new king because Saul was not cutting it. Samuel starts to look over Jesse's sons. 
And Samuel says, God doesn't look what's on the outside. God looks at what's on the inside. That God sees what's going on in our hearts. He knows, just like that kindergarten music teacher, if we're just professing with our lips, but there's nothing really coming out, he knows. So I ask you this morning, if you're wrestling with something, and you need to be transparent with somebody, to share what's going on in your heart that's keeping you from allowing yourself to worship from within, please do. We have our prayer leaders here that'll, that'll be standing up in, in different areas. But just grab someone that you know that you're close to and share and say, hey, look, you know, when I've been coming to worship, I've been going through the motions. And as I sat in the motion, going through the motions, I've also just been spending some time kind of critiquing everything because my heart has not been engaged. God calls us to worship from our heart. Uh, if you have any need, you can grab somebody while we're singing or even afterwards. Thank you.